0: Praise the Lord. Let's give them a great clap, everyone. Praise the Lord. Wow. Absolutely wonderful. People are so special. Special to God. And we want people to be special to us as well. Well, just uh, just giving. I I spoke last week, and uh, it was great. I was able to send a tape-recorded message, so that worked out much better. Never get up at four o'clock in the morning. It was great. Anyway, thank you for your prayers. The last two weeks, first week, we're in a a church in uh, Singapore, which I told you about. They've now had a great. They're going through huge transition and uh, change in the church, and uh, Pastor was away on stress leave. And uh, but however, we had a wonderful time with them all and uh, God moved powerfully, it was a great time and we were able to help them. Uh, The second year, went to City Harvest last week. City Harvest also going through uh, a very difficult time. Their pastors having stress leave too, in some respects, forced stress leave. Uh, What's happened is they've had, uh, in the last uh, few years, they've been saving and believing God for a a big facility in the center of the city, be meeting right out at the airport, huge uh, convention center out there that seats about 8,000 at a time. We've just been recently out. They had uh, a big conference out there, and there were about 40,000 people came to the conference. Just amazing the work City Harvest is doing, touching all of Asia, really, and people from uh, about uh, 30 different nations, I think, were there. And uh, they have uh, recently just uh, been able to work with a group of businessmen from the church to purchase uh, what would be called a landmark building in Singapore. It's an amazing building, a group of four buildings called Suntec City. got a magnificent fountain of life. It's just like a landmark in the city centre. But the moment it was announced they bought it, there has been difficulties ever since. And so there's been tremendous upheaval in the, uh, in the city in the nation, tremendous upheaval in the newspapers, uh, criticism, uh, judgments from left, right and center all over the place. And uh, so they felt in light of the criticism, they would go to the registrar of charities and say, well look, we just want you to understand we're open and accountable about everything we do. They laid out all their books for him to go through. He said, no, it's all right, we're okay with it all. And uh, then just immediately after the conference, Asia Conference, uh, Pascong was sitting with Yongyi Cho, and uh, the authorities came in, detained him, uh, and then and, and a whole group of his key leaders and board members all at the same time, took them away individually. No phone, no lawyer, no contact, and then uh, uh, a constant barrage of accusations for 8 to 14 hours. And that's been relentless, it's not, it not stopped. Of course, the media had a frenzy. And, uh, and so, he, and Pastor Kong's had to lie low for the last three weeks or so uh, out of sight because of the frenzy that's created in the media. Uh, even his associate pastor, the photographer's been coming, getting photos of their kids, anything they can get to get a photo. So the stress uh, and potential uh, uh, difficulties are, are immense. So they did ask that we pray for them. Uh, I've never seen Pastor Kong under such pressure in my life. Uh, I know what he's like, and I know right now he is... He is uh, struggling to believe in the midst of everything that's risen against him, false accusations, judgments, uh, the scorn of a nation against him, to hold on to God in the middle of it, that God would be the vindicator and deliverer. And uh, so I encourage you just to think of him and pray for him. We've connected with him over many years when they were a church of 300. When I went in there, they used to have the security service in the meetings every Sunday. He would have to give his newsletter every Sunday, and then uh, he would be called in uh, at, without a moment's a warning to answer questions about why he's got so many young people in his church. What's his intention? Where's he going? Now they've got about 33,000 people in the church. Uh, it's just risen to a whole new level now. And uh, In Singapore, it's not fully a democracy like we know it, and so legally you're guilty till you prove yourself innocent so uh, he faces all kinds of uh, potential challenges in the future and uh, at this stage none of that is certain what's going to happen it's a matter of standing in prayer believing god so he appreciated that i was able to come to exhort the church exhort the leaders be there to help people and uh, also to minister into the bible school we had a fantastic time the bible school 700 students god move man it was great we had a couple of outstanding sessions where without laying hands on anyone the presence of God just filled the place, and people began to, uh, to weep. They just began to weep out loud as they got revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. Then they began to manifest, just coughing going on all over the place, and uh, then just a great move of God to set people free. And we had that twice during the week, once as we brought them to an encounter with the cross, and the last time as we brought them to understand the love of God as a father and his willingness and ability to heal the broken heart. And Of course, we'll do this in the, uh, rest, in the uh, Freedom Retreat coming up soon, and I encourage you to come along. If you haven't been to a retreat, I don't know why you'd want to keep your demons. They don't help make life easy, and uh, we do have the retreat for a specific reason. It's because we understand that people who come to Christ uh, have issues and uh, things in their life which need ministry, which need deliverance. A third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance, and so it's a part of submitting ourselves to God that we open our life to be free of the things that come around our life, to be delivered and to be healed and restored. And we have a, a, a restoration retreat later in the year. I encourage you to open your heart, open your life, rather than stay where you are. We don't want to stay where we are individually or corporately, so let's make decisions to move in our life. These encounter retreats are powerful points of time to engage God. They really work the best if you have prayed, fasted, and determined you're going to reach out to the God to set you free. However, they're not standalone events. They're part of a bigger process where there are a need for us to walk with God, discipline our life, shape our thinking, change our attitudes, our behaviors, and so on. So there's a bigger picture of disciplined life and following Christ and obedience, being connected to people. There's also an encounter, and I love encounters. So it'll be a great time, great weekend. I know you're going to enjoy yourselves. Praise Lord, open your Bible with me. I want to share with you something just I felt the Lord has really put on my heart today. And uh, I want you to open with me in Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to speak today on a message called Burnt Stones. Burnt Stones. I was, uh, looked in the paper on uh, Saturday night, and, or sometime when I got home, and uh, I couldn't believe it, that Hatinger Estate on fire. Man, how many saw that? Fire. That was a great fire, wasn't it, eh? I remember going through the place and thinking, boy, this place would go up quickly, thank you, Uh, if there was ever a fire here. And uh, man, what a blaze. And nearly burnt to the ground. And uh, uh, whenever, and of course occasionally you have houses catch fire, buildings catch fire, one of the things I've seen, I've I've been to buildings that have caught fire and and have burnt out or gutted out, and uh, one of the things that you find often the next day is you find people walking through the charred ruins looking for something of value. And what hangs over the house is a sense of a dream or a life that has been shattered and broken, suddenly without warning. And so a a burned-out building is a horrendous thing. The smoke, the ruins, the water, the ashes, the dust, and then every now and then you'll find something that survived the fire. But it's a heartbreaking thing ever to go to a house that is burnt down. I want you to see something that really was heartbreaking for God. And it's found in Nehemiah chapter 4. And that's when the city of Jerusalem and the walls were beaten down, broken down, and the city was burnt with fire. Jerusalem in the Bible is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. And so this Old Testament picture is a picture of the church once glorious, once invincible, once being the center of influence in the world, once being the center of God's glory, shining out to touch nations. The Bible says people came from round the world. she came to see the glory of God in the house of God. The church and that day was a great and a glorious place then it fell into ruin. It was overtaken. The armies uh, of its enemies came. It sacked the city, burnt the city out, burnt the walls, tore down the walls, burnt the city, burnt down the temple, plundered the people, killed the people, destroyed the people. It was a horrendous time you find in the last part of the book of Chronicles where the city was burnt down. But God is always ready to restore. And whatever has happened to people, whatever's happened in our lives, whatever may have happened to the church over the centuries, I tell you something, God is a God who restores and rebuilds. God is a God who puts hope. You can walk through the abandoned tatters of a building that's burnt to the ground and see nothing of value there, but God is able to build something great upon those ruins. And I tell you something, church in its early days was filled with glory. It changed the Roman Empire. It influenced nations. Then it went through a dark season. But we're in days when God is rebuilding His church, rebuilding His people. And the Bible says the glory of that latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. And we're living in such days of rebuilding and restoration. What a challenge to respond to God. In chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to pick up where the building has started. And I want to just move through this and just bring out some things for you that I felt God put on my heart. I felt very, very deeply touched by the Holy Ghost as I began to study and look into this. It came to pass that when Sanballat, Sanballat, it means strength, uh, he was a Moabite. He was an unclean person. He was an enemy of the work of God. When he heard we were rebuilding the wall, He was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. It's true that the devil continually is indignant, angry, and absolutely furious when we set our heart to build lives, to bring people to Christ, to see them saved, water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, starting to get equipped, trained, restored. The devil gets furious. He gets furious. Notice what it said he did. He mocked the Jews or he despised, laughed, and he scorned them. One of the strategies of the enemies that comes against every person is he will belittle, despise, and scorn you as being of no value whatsoever. It says he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews? They're weak. Will they strengthen themselves? No way. Will they offer sacrifices? And complete it in a day? Will they call on God? Can God make a difference? He said, will they complete it in a day? Now look at this. Here it is. That's where I want to pick this up from. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? Stones that have been burned in the fire. It's a picture here of demonic spirits arrayed against you and I, arrayed against God's purpose and plan, Scorning and belittling and saying, Is it possible for God to raise up people whose lives have been burnt? Their lives are just like they're a mess in a rubber shape. Their marriage is broken. Their lives have failed. They're addicted. They're in a mess. Is it possible for lives like that to be built? Is it possible for God to do something? I don't think so. And they mocked and laughed. Is it possible for Hastings and Napier to be changed? Is it possible for people to be discipled and the cities changed? The atmosphere changed? The very nature changed? My, the devil despises you even thinking about it. One of the things that we find is the devil constantly pressures our mind to doubt that God can raise someone up that you are praying for, that can raise someone up. They may be addicted. They may be in bondage right now. They may be living in sin. They may be in defeat. They may be a hardened person. And you look at them and you think, man, oh, man, that's hard to get that person saved. It's like you've taken up the mocking of Sam Ballot in your mind, saying it would be too difficult for such a person to be saved. It's not too hard for the Lord to save. Not too hard for the Lord to save. It's not too hard for the Lord to save and revive burnt stones that were once great stones, part of a mighty city, part of a purpose and a destiny, but now burnt and reduced to ruins, smoldering, charred ruins. God can take a life like that, make something out of it that 's the God we serve you 've got to believe this you 've got to believe and so God uses a picture from the Old Testament, and this picture is a vivid picture, and it 's to put into our hearts a hope that what God could do in the lives of people you know, what God could do in your life, what God could do in your life. Notice rubbish, the rubble rubble of a city that was once great, dreams that were once there, hopes that were once there. Now all there is is rubble. You can hardly believe or comprehend the scale of the rubble when a city has been reduced. And if you saw pictures of Berlin after the Second World War, burnt-out buildings, great, magnificent buildings reduced to rubble, just rubble, rubble, rubble. You could hardly make your way through it. And uh, and so it was with the city here. So when we're talking about burnt stones, what do we mean? In the Bible the walls and the buildings were made not of wood they were made of stone and the stone that was used to build the city of Jerusalem uh, had to be quarried it had to be cut out it had to be shaped and then it had to be fitted they were great stones the Bible tells us so when they built the wall they had to cut out limestone they had to pull it and drag it together and they had to piece each part every part fitted perfectly And so when limestone is burnt by fire, it begins to become crumbly and powdered, and then it's very easy to break down the walls and break down the buildings. You wonder how great buildings can be broken down. Very simply, they just burn them, and then the stone starts to crumble, and then they can smash them down use great poles and they push and lever and smash them down so when jerusalem was overtaken by its enemies from babylon what they did was they burnt the city they just burnt the city from one end to the other burnt the house of god killed people there was blood from one end of the city to the other they set it on fire and then they set about destroying the city so it could never become great ever again what a picture for us of how the devil desires to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, to burn out everything you and I try and build that's good and right and holy, would leave a legacy, and to raise it to the ground so all that you see is rubble. And so that was what it was like. And the burnt stones were easily removed from their position. Once a stone was burnt and crumbled, it was easy to pull it out of position, easy to remove it from the wall of destiny. If you have ever been burnt by the fires of pain disappointment offense it's very easy for you to be removed out of the wall of destiny out of where God has positioned you to grow to be planted and to become successful in your walk as a Christian so stones are always a picture of people let's read a verse in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 5 in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 5 Many of you of course will know this verse, some of you may not, but let's just read it here, 1 Peter 2, it says this, it says verse 4, coming to Jesus who is a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, but you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if we can just pick up this, God uses pictures to describe people. So he says, you are a living stone, not a dead old stone. You may have been that way before you come to Christ. We were dead in sin, stony-hearted, hard-hearted, insensitive, unloving, self-centered. And when we come to Christ, the Spirit of God comes in us Have we become... Living, alive and vibrant. Holy Ghost is in us. And God wants to build us up. To build us, shape our lives, and fit us together to become a great house of God. Notice what it says if we look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 2 picks up the same picture. Ephesians 2 verse 20, here it is again. It says, now you're no longer, verse 19, strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens were the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being brought carefully together grows into a holy temple, you also are being built together for a dwelling place in the Holy Ghost. So you notice... That God calls us a living stone, and he desires to shape our life. The shaping of your life is called discipleship. It's called the forming of your attitudes and your lifestyle so you become possible to be used by God in a great way. And God doesn't just leave us as individual stones. The Bible of Christianity, is a, it's about a body of people. It's not just about individual lives and destinies. It's about God working through a body of people. So he builds us together. One of the surest ways to recognize we're quite dysfunctional is our inability or reluctance to fo- or resistance to forming close relationships. Close relationships help us sort out the rough edges on our lives. Close relationships are part of what God wants us to do. Many people in church find themselves quite lonely. I want to just put it to you to think about what a possible reason is that perhaps you've got a lot of rough edges on you and you have not developed the skills nor the commitment to build successful relationships. It takes effort and it takes skill. They don't just happen. That's why... God uses the picture of a building. You don't just throw some stones together and have a building. You carefully shape the stones, carefully insert them, and then lock them or cement them together. A picture of us standing together in committed relationships. You can't have Christianity as being a mcchurch. Walk in, walk out. Have a meal and go. That is not church. It's not church. It's just a modern version of non-committed relationships. So God wants to locate us. So when the Bible talks about positioning and being positioned, God's talking about uh, your physical location. He's talking about your connection and relationships. And he's talking about your mindset, being positioned or having a certain attitude way of thinking. So let's follow the thought there with these, with these stones. Notice what the challenge is. He say, will they revive the stones? Is there any chance of restoring stones that got burnt? Well, you know the houses that were that formed a great building of a city. All of these stones now they're all burnt. I want you just to just draw a picture: just a place full of rubble. You can't recognize the streets anymore. The buildings are all broken down. The stone, the walls, great stones, charred, broken stones fractured. If you've ever been to the ruins in Pompeii, you can see there houses which were once great houses. Now they're shattered, broken down. Stones are broken, columns are broken down. Nothing like it's intended or former glory. So how is it that we become a burnt stone? How do we become a burnt stone? There's probably four reasons that we become, or four ways that I've considered that you and I can become a burnt stone. And one of the greatest pressures that I have had personally in my Christian life it's the pressure to let go being positioned where God wants me to be it's the pressure to let go the commitments I've made to the Lord it's the pressure to withdraw in the heat of battle from that which God called me to live out and to do that has been of all the things the greatest pressure and the pressure comes the most when you get burned in a fire, and fires happen. Some fires are ordained by God. Some fires are lit by other people. Some fires are lit by the devil. But fires are inevitable in life. We will all have fiery experiences. So the Bible talks about the fiery testing of your faith. So when we walk through a difficult season in our life, it's a, what called a, the Bible calls a fiery trial or a trial trial by fire what is at stake what is at stake is your destiny and what's being tested is the quality of your faith in god if you think about the difficulties we had we talked about in the wilderness journeys here's what you would have remembered that each one of those difficulties was to bring them to growth in their faith except they didn't handle it right and in the end they totally lost their positioning and never ended up in the promised land another generation did And so, what causes Well, there's a number of things can cause you to get burnt, and when you get burnt, there's a tendency to want to withdraw from the place or the relationships or the mentality or commitments that God has called you to hold to. You think about a marriage going through pain and difficulty. Why do people quit? Well, they quit because they got burned, they lost hope, and then they get levered out of position. And that couple that once stood at the front and made a commitment for life together, for better or for worse, now find themselves burnt stones, and their marriage is burnt as well. What happened? They got burned in the fire, and in the heat of the fire began to crumble, and then will leave it out of a commitment they once made. That's what it is. That's what burnt stones, that's what they look like, they're not very nice. I'm going to give you some examples of burnt stones that God re- uh, restored in a moment. So here's some of the things that leave you out of position or burn you and then leave you out of position. One, of, Not necessarily in order of importance. One of them is actually spiritual pressure and spiritual conflict. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. The world of the spirit, the realm of the spirit is real. You're either going to win in this dimension and walk in the spirit or you all get knocked around. We're a spirit church so we engage levels of things in the atmosphere that others perhaps don't that's why when i send people out of here they just go to places and demons fly out of people everywhere why because in this location we've learned how to stand up and to build an atmosphere and to build a strength of spirit that enables us to displace demonic spirits at a certain level so but in the minute you come under pressure and in my time as a, as a as a pastor over the years i've had seasons where there's been immense spiritual pressure by what I call witchcraft spirits and I don't blame the demons I just understand that when you go through a, a season of witchcraft attack it knocks you around it affects you with fear it affects you with grief it affects you with confusion it affects you with uncertainty and discouragement Elijah got burnt by that thing and in, in 1 Kings 19 Elijah uh, got burnt when he got attacked by one of those spirits that came against him, it was came against him from Jezebel, she sent these messengers against him, he got burnt and he lost his positioning in the spirit to lead a nation into victory. Now the Bible is full of these stories if you know how to look at them. So a burnt stone, remember, a stone is a person, a burnt stone is someone who's been through a fiery painful experience and then they've crumpled and become dislodged from what God called them to be part of and to do. So one thing is spiritual conflict and pressure. We become weakened and burnt, and then withdraw. A second thing is painful experiences in relationship and life. Now, relationships aren't all smooth. I don't think anyone would doubt that. You think you're going on a great thing and then suddenly all these problems come and difficulties come you never expected before. Relationships don't always go smoothly relationships have conflicts conflicts are a part of life if you don't understand how to deal with and handle the conflicts deal with communication learn how to communicate properly you will get burnt in the relationship people come into church with this idealistic view that everyone here is perfect and it's going to be heaven on earth it isn't heaven on earth if you hadn't found out heaven is up there you know when we die we go to heaven here we have people and people are very irritating you being one of them, <laughs> and I being another. <laughs> and so we have difficulties. Now, in the midst of uh, relational difficulties, we can get burnt. You can be hurt when people betray you. You share a confidence, and someone gives it out. It's a burning experience. Uh, someone offends you. It can be a, an experience where you get burnt by that offense. Uh, someone uh, you uh, thought was uh, your friend walks out and leaves you. You get burnt by the experience. So there are many situations in life which can burn us. Situations of grief and loss, betrayal, people judge us. There are many experiences we can get burned. Here's the thing. If you don't deal with getting burned, what will happen is you'll crumple and then get dislodged out of what God called you to be and to do. This is where the dilemma lies. I've seen over the years hundreds of Christians dislodged when they got burned. So, God's got a plan for burnt stones. His plan to revive them and restore them, get them back in position again. Okay, a third way is through broken promises and dreams. When our dreams are shattered, Now, there's many reasons that that may happen. It could be just simply that we were believing God for something, like a healing, and it didn't happen. We're believing God for a marriage, and it still broke down. We're believing God for a child, and they got worse. Their situation got worse. Uh, 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 Broken dreams, where God doesn't come through the way we expect him to, can be a cause of many believers getting burnt. They get offended, and an offended person is a burnt stone. An offended believer is a burnt stone, blackened and charred, by the experience they've been through, crumbling, and about to be dislodged. See, get the idea? So these are some of the things. And then sometimes God has a good idea of just allowing us to go through a fire. Have a think about Job. The idea. Where did the idea come from to let Job go through a bit of a fire? Well, Job went through a fire, but at the end of it, he came out, and he came to twice, he came to an expanded positioning. He came to twice the blessing he had before. Because he handled the fire right. Think about Joseph. Joseph went through a fiery trial. He went through betrayal by his brothers. He went through uh, imprisonment. He went through false accusations and judgments against him. He went through a season of delay when God didn't answer his prayers. He went through a whole range of things. But when he came out, he, did, he came out and was positioned. And he wasn't a burnt stone. He was a living stone. He was a living stone because in the middle of it all, the Bible says in Psalm 106 verse 90. And it said it tells us this, it tells us the word of the Lord tried him until the time for all the promise to be fulfilled, and then that word released him into his promise. So he never let go of his trust in God, no matter what external circumstances, he never allowed what was around him to scorch him and burn him. He never held offense, never held bitterness, never held judgment. Never held things that would hold him back. So when he came out, he was able to say to his brothers, wasn't you sent me there, it was God sent me there. Don't blame yourselves. His heart was expanded by his fiery experience. He was not a a burnt stone at all. So let's go back into Nehemiah. Go back into Nehemiah. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to share with you something there about God's heart for burnt stones. Heart God has for burnt stones. right now you might be burnt stone yourself. I was singing God, is that me? Burnt stone. Thinking, flip, I can smell smoke. (laughs) That's not me. (laughs) Well, I think it's the other person that's burning, don't we? Turns out it was us. Nehemiah chapter one. So verse three, he said, he got a message. Nehemiah got a message. And it said that we're in distress and reproach, verse 3. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, the gates burn with fire. When I heard those words, I sat down, wept and more many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So notice here, Nehemiah. Nehemiah means comfort of God. Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And Nehemiah has a burden when he hears there's burnt stones and broken walls. The heart of God is to restore. God sees what you could be. He sees the possibility in a burnt stone. Someone else is just a drug addict. Someone says it's just a prostitute. Someone said it's a no-hoper. God says, I just see a burnt stone, and I can fix up the burnt stone. I can put it back into the wall of destiny, and I can give it significance and purpose. Amen. God is like that. So Nehemiah, who is a picture of the Holy Spirit, who carries the heart of God, grieved, grieved, grieved. Over burnt stones. When we get burnt, displaced, shifted out of our function, cast aside, and we feel like our life is just a pile of rubble, God grieves because he has a destiny, a plan. He is somewhere he wants to get us. He wants to restore us. He wants to reposition us. So we're back in the wall of destiny. We're doing what God called us to do. God can do it. He never abandons burnt stones. Christians often do. God never does, never does, never. I've watched over many years, doesn't matter what happened to people, I watched God pursue them. Holy Ghost grieves over the burnt stones. So look in chapter 2, verse 17. Nehemiah's gone and had a look at all the damage. He's seen the walls and everything broken down, the stones, then he gets everyone together and he says to them, verse 17, you see the distress we're in. Jerusalem lies waste, its gates are burnt with fire. Now come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we be no longer a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. Also the king's words, which he'd spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build and sent their hands to this good work. Wow, fantastic. What does the Holy Ghost do? The Holy Ghost helps us get up. Notice what he says. He has a look at it and he says, you can see... It's a mess. You can see that life is broken down. You can see the church isn't what it should be. You can see faults, breaches, gaps, burnt everywhere. But he said, look at this. Let us rise up and build the Holy Ghost. I love him. This is what the Holy Ghost does. He helps us get up. He rebuilds our dreams and puts us where we can be successful. That's what he does. So what does he do? He inspires hope. He inspires hope said, so you see what it's like? Come on, let's build it again. Let's get this thing back up again. Let's get the stones restored and in place. The second thing you notice that he does, he tells them with the hand of God, and he draws attention to the hand of God and the words of the king. He draws attention to the word of God and the power of God, which are able to change our lives. The word and the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, And the Word of God, they're able to rebuild you. They're able to restore you. You need both. You need the power of the Holy Ghost, that person presence of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, touching and restoring your life. You need the Word of God come in and rebuild, strengthen, lift you up again. That's how your life gets built. Finances may be a mess. You may be a burnt stone. Creditors are coming in like hungry wolves. (laughs) Really? I wasn't prophesying. So I wasn't a word of knowledge. <laughs> but God is able to rebuild. He's able to get you out of that place. The cross is about forgiving debts. It's about getting out of debt, getting to a place of prospering. It's what God wants to do. So how does God do it? Notice the desire of God to do it. How does God do it? Let me just give you some quick keys. And I want to give you a name of a person associated with each key. Number one, you have to want to be restored. If you're a burnt stone, if you've been burnt by life, burnt by circumstances, hurt, disappointed, let down, betrayed, felt, man, that's bad. Boy, this is I'm really burnt. You can smell the smoke in your life. You know you're not functioning right, you're not connecting with God right, not connecting with his people right, you're not functioning where you ought to, and you know I am a burnt stone. Listen, God wants to get you back up again, get you going again, get you into the right place, right positioning, right death. He wants you to fulfil your destiny. What do you gotta do? You gotta want to change. You gotta want to come back to God. You gotta want to, you gotta want to, you gotta want to. Jesus said the man, what do you want? I want to be healed. Okay, we can do that. A good example of that is Naomi in the the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, Naomi, in a time of famine, when there was a time of lack. You can have natural famines, spiritual famines. It's a time of lack when it feels like there's no resources. You're drying up, you're dying, and you think, if I stay here, I'm going to die. And so in the time of famine, what Naomi and her husband and family did, they went out and they went to Moab, which is a forbidden land. It's a picture of a believer in a time of stress, struggle, difficulty, pressure, lack, and they walk away from God, the position God had them, the place God had them. They walk away into an unclean place. If you see what happened to them, it was disaster for them. She came back, and she she woke up one day, I've lost my husband, I've lost my sons, I've lost my future, I've lost my support. I have lost everything. She's a burnt stone. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, bitter. I'm a bitter, burnt stone. But you know what she did? She heard that God was moving back in the land, and she said, I'm going to position myself back where God is moving. I'm going to get myself under the flow of the Holy Ghost again. I'm going to get myself where God is moving. Why? Because I'm hoping, believing that God can do something for me. She was a burnt stone that was restored when she made a decision, I want to be restored. See? Second, you have to take the, face the reality of your, and take responsibility of where you are. That's a hard one. But easy to come up and hold a call, get someone to pray for you, but actually it doesn't really do the job. Wish it did. If your finances are a mess, come in and lay hands on you, you're going to fix them up. See, people look for quick fix. God isn't a God of quick fix. He's a God of process and encounter together. Encounters start to shift our internally and part to us and prepare us and empower us to begin to embrace process of change. But the process is what takes place. So you notice here with David, uh, and a good example is David in 2 Samuel 12, 13, and David got weary in the battle. The Bible says when he should have been out fighting a battle, he stayed at home. So instead of being in the battleground, he was in the bedroom. Hey? Instead of being out at war, he was watching the girl in the nude. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was not doing, notice this, he was out opposition. He was called to war, and he wasn't fighting. He was resting. And that's when he got into trouble. He nearly lost his destiny, nearly lost, his cost his family, it cost hundreds of people, it cost one of his best men their life, it cost him years of suffering and sorrow. He became a burnt stone. But when God put his finger on it, he said, I have sinned, I've done wrong before the Lord. He was just straight up, took full responsibility and embraced fully the hand of God in restoring him. So it's important if you're a burnt stone, one, that you must want to be restored and make your way back to God. Two, you take full responsibility for reasons for which you are a burnt stone. We have to, t- if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, then you're a burnt stone, that's your unforgiveness. Got bitterness in your heart, you're a burnt stone, that's your bitterness. You've got to take full responsibility. You've got to actually own the stuff. We've got uh, negative attitudes, they're our negative attitudes. We've got to actually own what we've got, bring it to the Lord, repent of it, and position ourselves for God to shift us. He faced reality. He was burnt by sin, and he repented of his sin. Third thing you must do is be re- receive healing and the restoration process of the Holy Ghost. We must welcome the restoring process and healing power of the Holy Ghost. We have to welcome it. See, it doesn't just happen. If it just happened, you'd be right now. We've actually got to welcome the Holy Spirit himself and the process. A great example of this is Peter, and uh, we find in uh, John 21, verse 15. Remember Peter, now his problem, uh, David's problem was just uh, being wary of fighting, and he just wanted to rest. But uh, Peter's problem was different. Peter's problem was pride, self-confidence, trying to put a good show on for everyone else. He was confident in himself, overconfident, and then the pressure came on him, and he ran. He ran, and he left Jesus. He left his side, broke his own word, broke his own promises, his own commitments, and he wept bitterly over his failure, his personal failure. And you know what? When Jesus saw him, Jesus invited him to a meal and then just restored him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he wrestled with it quite a bit. But he had to open his heart to receive the loving, restoring presence of God back into his life again. Sometimes when we've broken our lives or damaged our lives or we've failed, sometimes the hard thing to do is just to be open, to be loved again. And he let God love him again. Love binds up the broken heart. He let Jesus love him, restore him again. And Jesus began to reposition him. He said, I know you've blown it. I know you've really messed up. I know you had a big mouth and you haven't lived up to what you said. I know you're really blown it. But you know what? I've really been praying for you that even when you were burnt in the fire, that you'd be converted. And when you got repositioned again, that you'd strengthen everyone else. So I was watching you even through that burnt fire experience. And I've got my hand on you. And the hardest thing for him to do was to just let Jesus love him. You know, it's important we receive love. Now, sometimes the love of God comes through encounter. Sometimes it comes in our devotions. But you know when it many, many times it comes? Many times it comes through people. And, you know, if we won't open our lives to people, it's hard to be restored, hard to be healed. Because let, let me say this. If you're a stone that's burnt and being pulled out of position, God wants you not just to get healed. He wants you back in position, relating and connected. And sometimes we need people to come around us and love us. I know in the restoration retreats and many encounter meetings I've had that one of the greatest healing things was just to put arms around someone and love them and just say, we love you no matter what. We know what you've done. We know what's been going on. We love you anyway. That is such a healing thing to come through people. And finally, we must let God, must choose to be repositioned. A classic example, that's 2 Timothy 4.11 with Mark. Mark was a young uh, apostle of, of Jesus Christ. He went on a missions trip with Timothy. Uh, uh, sorry, Mark went on a mission trip with Paul. And in the middle of the trip, it got too much for him. The conflict, the spiritual pressure, and he quit. He just gave up because it was too hard. And Paul later on said, listen, he's just a loser. Just <laughs> cut him loose. We're not having him in the team. And Barnabas got alongside him, encouraged him, and finally there came a point where Paul was able to say, I want him back in my team. Now imagine how difficult that was for Mark, having walked away from an apostolic ministry to actually then come back to say I'm sorry and to commit himself to walk in that difficult path with Paul again, knowing that there was hardship, difficulties, all kinds of stresses, being committed to the cause of the gospel. So you notice the, the four steps in the process or four key things in the restoring of a burnt stone. Number one, we're going to want to be restored, not to stay a burnt stone in a pile of rubble, which once was our dreams. Second thing is, we must be willing to acknowledge our part in being burnt, and what we need to face in order to come out of that place and be repositioned. Thirdly, we must be open to the love of God through the Holy Spirit and through people to heal, restore, and bring us back into connection again and finally, we must be willing to commit to actually being repositioned in what God called us to be positioned in. For some, that will mean shifts. For some, it will mean the role you play. Some, it'll mean relationships being restored. It means different things for different people, but it always means one thing, that God has changed our life, and that we're back again in the wall of destiny, fulfilling our course, and fulfilling our part. Jesus said, I'm building a church made of living stones. People that were discarded by life, burnt by religion, burnt by failure, burnt by troubles, burnt by disappointments, burnt by every circumstances of life. But I saw what was possible in them, and I'm raising them up to become an army to change the world, an army to change the world, an army to change the world, an army to change change our community. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? I saw a video clip, I have it, but I won't show it right now, just because of the time. And I was stunned. It was a man who lost his leg as a child and a woman who lost her arm in a car accident. And together, together, They flowed as a team to do ballet. Isn't that amazing? They overcame the circumstance that burnt them and began to flow together.